0: If you'll turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Yes, we know that God is the God of all comfort. But we'll see in the scriptures that he is not a coddler. Now in this midst, Moses had the opportunity to speak to what had become and was certainly still becoming a nation that was once a family, Israel. And he would teach or instruct them in the law one last time before he would be gathered to his people and then Joshua would take them into the land of promise. And at this particular part, he's wanting them to remember because the generation before them, their fathers and mothers had been laid low in the wilderness because of their disobedience, because they were a stubborn people. And he says to them, these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. If you read through their wandering in the wilderness, and you really, we put ourselves into their shoes, it was a miserable time. And it's something that people that are not familiar with the God of the Bible just will probably have a hard time understanding why he would let them suffer as he did. But you can see here it's because he was testing them. What do they desire? The comfort, the ease of life, the bread? Or do they love me? Will they keep my commandments though they suffer? Think about the example of Job. But Moses goes on, he continues he did this that they may, might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And he recounts to them, your clothing did not wear out. Your feet did not swell. God took care of them in amazing ways. But were they too wrapped up in themselves? in their discomfort, their lack of ease, that they not be amazed. And remember the things that God did in taking them out of Egypt? Could they not remember those things and keep those at the forefront while they were suffering? Many of them would not. They could, but they would not keep those things at the front. They get wrapped up in their suffering and their discomfort. And they complained and they were disobedient. And that's why that whole generation was laid low in the wilderness. But verse 5, know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. And then he goes on to talk about the goodness of the land. God would bless them and bless them abundantly if they would be obedient. If they would walk according to his ways. It's no different for us today. Come with me to Jeremiah chapter 1. We know that Jeremiah was chosen. Before he was even born, God chose him when he was even being formed in the womb. And as we consider that the task that was put before him and even came to him several different times and recounting the things and then asking of him, but Jeremiah said, here I am. Jeremiah was willing to just be obedient and serve God. And God revealed to Jeremiah that this would not be easy, that they would resist you. And he goes on to say in verse 19, They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. And then when you read of all that Jeremiah had to go through and being faithful to God, you would feel sorry for him. You would pity him. But that's one thing that God will say consistently in the history books. That at times that he would not pity. Although we have the tendency to pity ourselves, and maybe pity the suffering of others, God would not at times pity because he has a purpose. He had a purpose for Jeremiah's life. But what is our perspective? Is life all about me or is life about serving God? Sometimes think about my dog, Rossi. And if I could just be more like him and the way he serves my family in regard to my service to God, He never complains about his food or his sleeping conditions or anything. He's just there and he loves my family and he provides all that he can provide as a dog and he does it day in and day out. If I could be like him in service of God, then God would be pleased. Think about what we have a tendency to do, to pity ourselves, to complain about the suffering or the discomforts, and that's not of us. That's not of God's people. We must learn that God is not a coddler. He would test us. In Psalm 11, he speaks about God sitting on his throne and how he tests the righteous and he hates the wicked. God is the creator. He is the potter. We are the clay. We have no right to bring these complaints before him and to not understand the overarching purpose of our lives. But of course, if we're grounded in the scriptures, if we're reading things like Moses and the way he dealt with Israel and the way God worked through Moses and Aaron and we're reading the prophets, then we understand this and we can serve God faithfully. Now come with me because God never said it would be easy, but now we have God in the flesh. Come with me to Mark chapter six. This is the particular time where Jesus looked upon the people and he saw that they were a sheep or like sheep without a shepherd. And so he had compassion on them. But notice when he had compassion on them, what he did. He didn't look out there and see that they were hungry because they were in a desolate place. No, he saw that they were sheep without a shepherd, meaning they had no guidance. No one to provide and protect them in a spiritual sense. So what did he do? says that he taught them, taught them many things. So in this particular situation, his focus, of course, is that spiritual guidance, that spiritual provision. We don't live by bread alone, and he's providing them the things that they need. But then we see who was concerned about the physical well-being. Well, it was his disciples. They come to Jesus worried about the food that the people would need, right? And so Jesus creates this opportunity. Now, Jesus didn't multiply the food and then feed the people himself. He provided the provision and commanded and gave the disciples the opportunity to provide what Jesus had given. And we know the source was abundant because it was of God. But Jesus used it as an opportunity to teach. And so the people were provided for and they were given a sign that, yes, this is God. He can provide in this type of way. You continue reading the scriptures and you see him walking on the water, proving himself to be the son of God. If you come to the next account, this is Mark chapter 8. It's a similar situation where he has a multitude before him and he's teaching them. But notice the, the longevity here. They're there for three days. Verse 2 I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Think about Jesus' commitment, his concern for their soul that he would teach and that many would listen for three days not having food. Jesus was not concerned with coddling them or using marketing strategies that they would listen to him. He was trying to provide them with what they needed, the nourishment, the things that could nourish their soul, that could give them the spiritual enlightenment to obtain forgiveness and salvation that was only in him, the Son of God. And again, His disciples worried about him were actually, Jesus being the one concerned, knowing that if they went along the way, they would actually come about physical harm fainting. And so then through the disciples, he provides the provision. And the disciples were able to just share the provision among the people. So another miraculous sign given to the people. But think about this. As it goes on, and stay with me in Mark chapter 8, they leave from there and they go into a different district, the district of Dalmanutha. That's how you pronounce it. Then verse 11, it says, The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit, and he said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now verse 14, Now they had forgotten to bring bread, And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. So the disciples began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened Having eyes do you not see and having ears do you not hear and do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him twelve. And the seven for the four thousand how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him seven. And he said to them do you not yet understand? The disciples we're seeing the physical. And Jesus is trying to give these people what they need spiritually. It's a challenge to his disciples. Do you not yet understand? They're not there yet. They don't understand. But we have to turn this on ourselves. Do we understand or are we making the same mistake as the disciples? Are we locked into the physical Are we going about our daily lives in the physical and are we not seeing the spiritual that's all around us? Do we read such as this and are we amazed? Do we recognize that this is the Son of God? And do we allow it to impact our heart and our mind in a way that compels us to go and live and give our lives for Jesus Christ? Or... Are we like those stubborn Israelites in the wilderness that think this life is about us? God is not a coddler. He will test us. But we better understand that God is God. He is the potter and I'm the clay. All the gifts and abilities that he's given me are for his service. And I'm to take that and daily deny myself, take up my cross, And to the best of my ability, follow him. All I can do in that regard is just give my best effort. And if I'll do the little things faithfully, if I'll ground myself in the word of God, if I'll stay with him and pray without ceasing and work with my brothers and sisters, striving to be with y'all in love, then I will grow. God will take care of me. He will bless me in the ways that he sees fit, but he will allow me to suffer. He will test me. He will prune me. So that I will bear more fruit. It's because it's about him. It's not about me. This life is about him. And what we can do for him. Do we understand? Do we understand? If we do. It will be reflected in our lives. If we don't. We'll be like the disciples. The hardness of heart. Will be evident in our lives. Now if there's those among us that know that Jesus is the Son of God. You recognize these things. Are you not amazed? Have you thought about what Jesus taught in regard to hell? He taught about hell more than any and all of the scriptures. And that's because he loves us. He does not want us to come to that point in time to where there is no time left. He wants us to think about these things now, the harsh reality that when he returns or when we die upon this earth, At that point, it's too late. We will be separated, and those that have been faithful, that understand, and their life is a reflection of that understanding, the ones that don't desire to be coddled, but the desire to do hard things for the Lord and to serve him with all their might, with all their strength, their soul, with all their mind, will be in a place of comfort and ease and rest. It's ahead of us. It's not now. If we could just have the foresight, it will come, and it will be forever. So what we're put before us now is not more than we can handle. If we'll just lean upon him, there's no need to complain. There's no need to feel sorry for ourselves. God will reward the faithful far more abundantly than we could ever imagine. But it's just probably not today. Perhaps so, but not this moment. This moment, we got to be about work, faithful service to the Lord, using what he's given us for him. When we come to worship, it's about him. When we live our lives and our families in the workplace, it's about him. We have to carry that mentality. And if we do it together, then we make an impact not only upon this community, but it can be one of those things that people hear about our faithfulness and they praise God. Just like I was talking to someone the other day and they were reminded that the fields are are truly, they're ripe for harvest. They truly are. People need a savior and there are people seeking. Do not get discouraged with what may be right in front of your eyes. Because remember, Satan is a schemer of evil things. He knows how to bring delusion upon your heart. He knows how to deceive you, but it's simply not true. There are many that know that they need God and they are seeking and they need the faithful who are out there working continuously and offering what only Jesus can do, which is forgiveness of sins and a family of faithful followers which can carry them through this life and into the next life where the rest and the ease and the comfort is there. So will we look upon Jesus like the centurion and say, truly, this is the Son of God and be willing to submit to him. If you're willing to do that now, if you're willing to take courage to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, please come as we stand and sing. What can